This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Here's the song that we'd like to do for all the younger set of people, the teenagers and what have you. This one's called Vacation Zope. Vacation's over. It's over. It's over. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, is the gang behind schedule today. I've been here for like an hour ready to record. They're just rolling in. Anyway, I'm super excited. I got here early today because on today's show, we welcome author of the kick-ass single mom, Emma Johnson. In our headline segment, we'll talk about PTSD and investing with the author of the Femme Frugality blog, Bryn Conroy. We'll also share details on the new tax bill heading through Congress, throw out the Haven Lifeline to Scott, and still leave time for the only reason you tune into this show, my trivia. And now, two guys who showed up an hour late for work today, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I think somebody's got to get rid of the watch from 1972. Well, yeah, there's uh, apps that take care of that now, right? That remind you that, uh, don't hey, you're supposed to change your watch. Don't confuse him, man. Do, do not confuse him with the idea of an app. Make Doug's head explode. <laughs> he thinks apps and he thinks Applebee's. Mm. He's like, oh, yeah, like those uh, two for ten deal at oh, Applebee's. Blooming onion? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Hey, welcome to another episode. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter across the rickety card table. For, this is rickety. It's the one and only OG or the other guy, as we call him. All I'm thinking about is uh, appetizers now. <laughs> 
That's literally like potato skins or something like that. Perfect thing to make your Monday great. Oh, so delicious. You know what else makes your Monday great is uh, knowing that LinkedIn supports the show. OG, it's the best place to find great talent for your hiring needs. That's LinkedIn. Businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. And for a $50 credit toward your first job, you can visit linkedin.com slash SB. Of course, terms and conditions apply. Thanks big time to LinkedIn. Thanks also to M1 Finance. If you're looking for a better way to invest, check them out. They've completely rethought how online brokerages should work to make investing enjoyable. I like it when my investing is enjoyable, OG convenient and low cost. The way it works is you build an investment portfolio by specifying what percentage of your money you want to go into certain investments. By the way, you can also have them do it for you, have it completely automated. After the couple minutes it takes to set everything up, you just deposit money and bam, it's allocated to the right stuff. That simple becomes as easy as a savings account. M1 automates everything to put your money into your portfolio with the correct allocation and even uses fractional shares so every penny gets put to work. I think that's really cool. It intelligently adapts how it directs money based on market movements. And with M1, super simple to have your money always invested exactly the way you want. Here's the deal. You'll get a free year, year, 12 months of M1. 365 days. Not 364, 365 by putting Stacky Benjamins all scrunched together in the code box when you check out, when you're signing up for M1 Finance. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance, be invested. We're invested in a big show today. Emma Johnson, the wealthy single mom blogger, of course, is Kick-Ass Single Mom, is her new book. We got that. We got a bunch, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. First headline comes to us from just about everywhere, but we're going to go to Napa-Net which is the National Association of uh, Plan Advisors, people that work on pensions and 401k plans in the United States, retirement plans. 401ks, ready? Okay, in the House GOP tax reform bill. This is something so far everybody okay. was worried about. The GOP tax reform proposal, quote, makes no changes to the popular retirement savings options that Americans have today, including 401ks, and individual retirement accounts or IRAs. A document accompanying the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act goes on to state that Americans will be able to continue making both traditional pre-tax contributions and Roth contributions in the way that works best for them. Don't go into politics a lot, but I know a lot of people were worried about the fact that the 401k might not have the same amount of money uh, that you could put toward it, OG. Looks like, as of right now, that's off the table. Is there any chance that this was a complete misdirection, right? Because have you seen some of the other things that have that have kind of crept out of this, like getting rid of student loan interest deduction, medical cost itemization, reducing the amount of property taxes that you can claim uh, on your Schedule A and mortgage interest only accounts on half million dollar mortgages instead of million? You think it was like, look at this shiny thing over here. And we're like, no. And they're like, and we got them. Look at the one that's so egregious that we're just going to run this other stuff through the back door. Well, it's almost like when you're with your young kids, right? You're like, hey, so do you want these yummy Brussels sprouts? And your kids are like, no. And you're like, okay, I guess you can have some peas. <laughs> Ta-da. It feels like they let off the gas because they left the 401ks alone. But really what they wanted to do was lessen the blow of 
all this other nonsense that they're doing. Yeah, full speed ahead in a in a whole different direction. And I don't know I don't know how much cleaning up the tax code actually is nonsense. I mean, we can get we can get into the line items if we want to. I, I really don't want to until they're law. And I think too right. many I, I think too many people, by the way, make investment decisions based on things in Congress versus things yeah. that actually have happened. So I don't want to go too much into that. But I do like the idea that your tax form, the way that, you know, they're selling it is that it might be able to fit on a postcard. <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> and in our second headline, a recent study asks, do psychological shocks affect financial risk-taking behavior? And uh, she wrote a great piece on it. So I'm glad to have her here. Bryn Conroy from femfrugality.com joins us. How are you, Bryn? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? Good. This is a tough, tough area because I was talking to my spouse, Cheryl, about this, and I thought that PTSD, which is really what these psychological shocks, what they're talking about, is just people in the military. But you write here that PTSD goes well beyond military. Absolutely. It's an interesting thing. We have a percentage of our population who have served in the military, right? They're veterans or are currently serving. But one out of four American women have been through domestic violence and uh, one out of every nine American men. And when we're looking at the percentage of people affected, women are twice as likely to be affected by PTSD after going through a traumatic event. So while it's really, really awesome that we're getting some recognition for it finally for the military, I think it's also really important that we recognize that you don't necessarily have to have served your country to be suffering from the same type of thing. Yeah, right. And I was surprised to see that this spills over into financial decisions. Is it because we're more afraid of risk then? I mean, how does PTSD spill over to your money? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a major part of it. When you've been through PTSD, um, when you have PTSD after going through a traumatic experience, you can develop this thing called hypervigilance, where you are extremely careful in a bunch of aspects of your life, but particularly as it pertains to your money. Um, And what this particular study said was that uh, somewhere between 14 to 18% less likely to take on riskier investments like stocks and mutual funds if you have PTSD. And you say that women with or without PTSD tend to set lower investing goals than men. I think then everyone with PTSD really sets lower goals because you're not going to take the risk that someone without it takes. Exactly. And even if you're setting those goals, I think it's somewhere uh, women set goals around 50% out of men and then we live longer too. So we need more money. It's this terrible irony. But then if you have PTSD on top of it and it's affecting your investment decisions, it's going to take you a lot longer to reach that already lowered bar. So it's something that you really, really need to address, particularly early on um, in your investing career. Yeah, right. And let's let's talk about this because there may be people that have had traumatic events in their past. They don't know that they'd have PTSD. How do you know that you might be suffering from this? Well, I think some of the biggest signs are actually not going to be based around your money. You are going to maybe have nightmares, flashbacks about those traumatic events. You may not even remember the details of the trauma you could potentially, ironically enough, because we're talking about lower risk with money, right? But to deal with the mental trauma, you might start taking riskier behaviors when we're looking at things like drugs, alcohol, sexual behavior, to kind of try and deal and fix those problems. Not a healthy way to react, but it's something that happens. And particularly with men, but also with women, increased irritability 
um, and not really knowing why. All of these things are symptoms of PTSD and you may develop some of them, but not necessarily all of them. But if you see yourself acting in those ways, it's a really, really good idea to try to hook up with a mental health professional. And if you can't do that, because I know access to mental health care is not um, exactly democratic in all parts of this country, the VA actually has a really cool tool called the PTSD Coach Online. I was just about to ask you about that. Is this is this, this resource yeah. about face that you talk about? Yeah. So about face is kind of trying to convince people to seek treatment Okay. because you feel super alone. <laughs> you feel like um, not a whole lot of other people have been through what you've been through. So about face has a bunch of stories from people who suffer from PTSD, primarily from the military point of view. But the symptoms, again, are extremely similar and the experiences afterwards are extremely similar. So you can go there and kind of figure out, you know, hey, I'm not alone. Other people have made it through. And that in and of itself is very powerful. But then if you're actually going to seek mental health services, one-on-one is obviously best. But if you can't access those, the VA's uh, PTSD coach online kind of helps you work through some very basic things. And it's free to use. um, And you don't necessarily have to be military for it to apply to you. You'll find this piece at uh, your your blog, femfrugality.com, which is an awesome blog, by the way. And we'll also have the links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Bryn, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and making us aware of this. This is a, it's a tough thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to talk about it. Big thanks again to Bryn for coming down to the basement. That's tough stuff. OG. Serious topic. Yeah. Very. yeah. And you have to be aware of how other things in your life could affect other things, right? And right. I think that's what she was. Uh, yeah, she you'd was never, you'd never think it would affect your investing and saving decisions, and it affects, of course, all areas of your life. Yeah. We'll have links to that on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But I think our big lesson today from the first headline: if you're basing your financial plan on stuff going through Congress right now that may or may not happen, you're probably planning wrong. Give it a few minutes. Her book's called The Kick-Ass Single Mom, but regardless of whether you're a kick-ass single mom or a kick-ass married dad, whoever you might be, we're going to talk to Emma Johnson, who knows a ton about savings advice and juggling your career, kids, all aspects of your life. Emma, of course, is creator of the popular blog Wealthy Single Mommy and the podcast Like a Mother, where she explores issues facing professional single moms like herself. She, of course, has been uh, quoted all over like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, U.S. News World Report, Women's Day, and NPR. But you know what? None of that matters, OG, because we got her here today. Emma Johnson, coming down to the basement. And coming down the stairs, you know her. As the host of the Like a Mother podcast or the creator of Wealthy Single Mommy, but she's also a kick-ass single mom, Emma Johnson. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm having a stiff one with you down here at the car table. I know. Of course. Which, you know, when you're in the middle of a media tour, you got to come to Texarkana, got to hang out with Joe. 
I do. And you know what? I have mixed feelings about drinking on a book tour because you want one so bad. But the, and like if you're feeling exhausted, like an old lady like me, you can't you can't hang anymore. <laughs> you got to like drink your vitamin juice and your salmon and be all healthy about it. So, so, so Somebody was talking to me about that, about like a college game day. We were going to go to a tailgate. And a friend of mine was saying, when did I change where, you know, I think about having a drink at noon at a tailgate and I'm like, oh God, no. Yeah. And I want to take naps. I like to go in early. I like to get exercise every day. It's, it's boring, but I feel good most of the time. I don't know. I just, I look back at my old self and I just used to abuse my body so much, but I had fun then too. It's all good. You know? Yeah. Definition of fun definitely changes. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, not fun. Let's talk about something that was decidedly not fun because you say that money was one of the biggest fights between you and your ex. Uh, yeah. And we know statistically that's true for most couples. It's the number one thing that women are going to fight with if they are in a uh, romantic partnership. They're going to fight with their partner about money. And that was my story. We fought about money all the time. We fought about it when we didn't have money. We fought about it when we were making lots of money. I hate to cut you off, Emma, but I think the cops are coming to get you. That would be the best podcast episode ever. <laughs> if we could see someone's arrested on your show. If we could have the Texarkana cops come downstairs and uh, and and take out Emma Johnson, that'd be the highest ratings we've ever had. I know I would support that. Yeah, but anyway, it wasn't about the actual dollars. It was about your belief systems, I would think. You know what? It was our belief systems, but in hindsight, I would say that we both grew up in stressful money situations. We were both raised by single moms and money was a huge stressor in both of our homes as children growing up. And just like every other issue, I swear we just take all those issues into our romantic relationships and lots of people work them out successfully. They work them out within themselves. They work them out within the relationship. Uh, We didn't. And then the relationship ended. So we didn't have any more time to work them out. So now I, hopefully I've worked mine out outside of that relationship. He's on his own journey now, but yeah, we fought. I, um, he liked to spend a lot. I'm more of a saver. I like to live very minimalistically and he had a lot of his stuff around the house and we fought about that. And I think it's, it's common, but it, it doesn't make it any less stressful. No. And single mothers, I mean, you go through some statistics, Emma, in this book about uh, the challenges single mothers really face an uphill battle when it comes to money. We do because let's face it, there's only one earner in the house. There's only likely one person that's there to help take care of the kids in the household. So there's less labor, less money coming in. Statistically, that is very true, but I urge women not to dwell on those statistics and also do not dwell on all the negative messaging out there. Because when we started really talking about single parenthood in mass 20, 30, 40 years ago, when we had these huge surges of divorces for the first time in history, it was a very different time and place for women in the United States. I mean, I was raised by a single mom. Women in 1973, that was the very first time we could even get a credit card in our own name. So gender equality has come in enormous way in 30 years. And in 2017, moms listening to this, you and I, even if we don't have a spouse and we have a bunch of kids, we have more economic rights. We have more access to capital, more legal rights, political rights than women anywhere else in this world and definitely any time in history. So that is a big message I want to drive home. Let go of early ideas about what single motherhood meant and embrace what you have control over today. Yeah, I love that premise, which is that single moms, and I suppose like anyone, 
you can have what you want because there are some very definite things that you yourself can control regardless of the battle you're fighting. Yeah, the battle you're fighting. And look, you come out of a relationship. Here's some quick stats that usually surprise people. Divorced moms. I am a divorced mom. I was married, had my kids, got divorced. I'm an old fogey. That's the old fashioned way of doing things. Millennial moms, 64% of millennial moms will have a baby outside of marriage. That is the number today. And if we look at the moms that will wait till they're a little bit older, get married, then have their babies, divorce rates have been about the same for 40 or 50 years now. They've been fluctuating between 40 and 50%. So there is a pretty great estimate that half of those moms who are the minority that will get married first, they're going to divorce. Single motherhood is the new norm. So are we approaching this as a hardship or are we just approaching this as a new normal yeah. that we're embracing and encouraging women to move forward as their new normal? And that's that's really what my book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, is about. Yeah, that's the playing field. You're saying that's the playing field. So, OK, uh, game on. Game on. Let's do it. Now, I don't want you to ne- negate the um, it's trauma. You come out of a marriage or a big relationship. Maybe you find yourself pregnant outside of a relationship or unplanned it can be a major trauma. It can be a major adjustment and money is going to be part of that story. I don't mean to minimize that. I know that that was totally my story, but I'm also here to tell you that you have so many resources and you can, I, I, I have this blog. I've had my blog, wealthy single mommy for five years. Every day I am meeting incredible women that come from way tougher situation than I did, had far fewer educational, financial network resources than I did. And they do incredible things. It looks like when it comes to money, Emma, your first focus is on earning more. I mean, you can sit and you can you can budget down your lifestyle as much mm-hmm. as you want, but you really focus first on let's find ways to earn more money. I do. Well, the number one thing is live within your means. So if your life is changing dramatically, it can be very easy to get stuck on your old life. Maybe you had a two income household. Maybe you were living in a nicer neighborhood. Maybe you didn't have any kids a minute ago and now you got a kid and kids are expensive. Let go of what you thought your lifestyle should be before. You can have any old lifestyle you want, but that's not where you are right now. What is the money coming in? What is the money going out? And that might mean downsizing. But again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I really believe in a minimalist lifestyle. We do not need a lot of things. The more stuff you have, that's the more stuff you have to buy, the more stuff you have to store, you have to clean, you have to maintain. Get rid of it. Make your life as easy as possible. Get a small house. Small houses are wonderful. And then you're right. You can only clip so many coupons. And in fact, I don't want you clipping any coupons. Your time is so much more valuable than clipping coupons. Take your precious time, moms. Focus on earning and earning in a career that you love, that gives you joy and energy, that you come home at the end of the day and have dinner with your kids and you talk about how much ass you kicked that day, how much money you earned. And then that is when we are really being great moms. When it comes to expenses, I want to get back to that because you mentioned, you know, maybe you downsize the house. That's going to be a huge savings there. What are a few other areas where you find people might be able to find some, I guess, the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak? You know, it drives me crazy when people spend a lot of money on cars. I mean, look, if you've got all the money in the world and you have cash and like fancy cars are your thing, knock yourself out. You know, far be it for me to tell you how to spend your extra cash. But if you are really struggling, do not save up to finance a luxury car. Buy a reasonable 
dependable, fuel-efficient car that is going to get you to work, get your kids to school and to soccer practice, and not burn a ton of fuel. That is your goal. And pay cash if you can. If you have to finance it, find the best deal that you can. Money on a luxury car makes me bananas. Yeah, that's great advice. I want to I talk to you about one more thing, which I love. You have a chapter in here about outsourcing. And I've, I've, especially if you're juggling children, a child or children, you're juggling a career, you're juggling all the things that a single mom has to deal with. I think outsourcing is your best friend. It is absolutely your best friend for any mom. I want women to start thinking about running your house like a business. And you know, Joe, you run a great successful business. You cannot grow in business if you don't outsource. There's a great quote. No one has ever become wealthy without outsourcing. You need help. You can't do this on your own. You can't raise kids on your own. You can't run a household on your own. So it can be so tough. And I know this was something I somehow, you know what it was? It was defiance about my marriage because that was one of our fights. We started to get on our feet financially when I was married. I'm like, oh God, we're, we're hiring a housekeeper every week. She's going to come. We have plenty of money. We're making great money. And my ex-husband at the time, he's like, no, he felt like that was just something that you should do. That was part of being an adult is cleaning your own home and doing your own laundry. And he was also had a lot of hangups about other people managing his stuff and touching his stuff. And, and we would fight about it because he didn't like to clean. I didn't like to clean, but then I would clean because I like to clean house and on and on. So I think it was a little bit of like, woohoo, I don't have to fight with him anymore. <laughs> I'm in control. I'm going to get a house cleaner, even though now there was no extra money at all. Like the financial situation completely changed, but I went there and it was the best decision I ever made because it made my life efficient, right? I had two tiny kids and I needed to make a lot of money right away. I could not have done that. I could not have been there for my kids and made that kind of money. I mean, within, I think about 18 months, I was making six figures and not on a full-time schedule. I was a freelance journalist and writer and I was cranking things out. I was very, very efficient. It was because my wonderful housekeeper, Sandra, who is with me today, came and cleaned the hell out of my apartment, took care of all my laundry, changed the linens and took care of me in that way and took care of my family. And that was a, I am above that pay grade. She is so far be it for me to tell you how she feels about cleaning, but she is a master cleaner. She's a housekeeper. She like organizes my client closets. She takes care of my home. That is not my skill set. I don't like to do that. And I know I can make a lot more money using those hours to do something else. I th- and I think that's the key, Emma. It's not about the expense of the housekeeper. It's what are you going to do with that time and leverage the fact that you have that housekeeper to build a, a better life? It is. And I mean, it's not always just about the time versus money equation because we don't need to be monetizing every moment of our lives. Because, you know, if I clean my house the way Sandra cleans it, it would take me 10 hours a week. (laughs) Instead, maybe I use three or four of those hours for my business. I use a couple of them to exercise. The other ones I might spend with my kids or my boyfriend or my girlfriends or just chillaxing and watching Netflix. It just frees me up and I'm not thinking about it. That's a big part of my book, too. It's not just time and money, the equation. It's also the energy and the headspace. And laundry, laundry is the biggest culprit. I get it. You can fold your laundry while you're watching Orange is the New Black. It does. It's not hard. It does not require advanced degrees to do laundry. I appreciate that. 
But here's the thing. You're always thinking about it. You're always wondering if the kids' soccer clothes are clean. Yeah. You're, you're, you're wondering if the stuff is rotting in the washer and needs to be put in the dryer. You're thinking if the washing machine needs maintenance or if you need to buy detergent. What if you just completely outsource all of that headspace, all those little gnats buzzing around in your head, and use that headspace for whatever you want? That's what I wish. I, I wish we had grocery delivery service in Texarkana because if we mm. did, I would be all about that for that same very reason. The book is uh, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. And you just don't go over money. I mean, you go over everything, Emma. Yeah, we talk about dating and sex. That's my favorite topic. I've been writing about money so long. I needed I needed something new to be excited about. So dating, sex, parenting, and career. A lot of it is about career, which is, of course, very closely tied to money. But I want women to be out there earning and achieving because there's so much research, so much science out there that shows that gives women joy as individuals. It's great for kids. And really, the underlying passion of this book is gender equality and feminism. And we are never going to close that freaking pay gap and have equal power for men and women if we don't have women out there earning and achieving. And also, we expect men to be equally parenting, whether we're married to them or we live separately from them. So shared parenting is another giant theme in the book that we could, we could talk about for years. And it's very closely tied to money because when you have another parent equally being responsible for the kids that frees women and moms up to go out and earn and achieve and changes our financial pictures. The book's available everywhere. Everywhere you want. It's in stores now, um, and it's doing great on Amazon. I can't wait to see what the sales numbers are. I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, what's going on at the Like a Mother podcast. Oh, Like a Mother podcast? I love it. Um, It's a mix of, I interview lots of interesting women. Usually I have some guys on there, and every fourth week, every month, I have a grant program. It's called the Kick-Ass Single Mom Grant, and every month I give away $1,000 to a kick-ass single mom who is doing something incredible in the world. And it can be that she's building an amazing business or started a nonprofit or somehow active in her community. It's just some, uh, an inspiring woman who is a single mom. Part of the project is, yeah, I give away my money and that's cool, but it's really, I help her tell her story on my podcast. Often these are women who have not been in the media. So that's a very, I think a very empowering project to help a woman tell her story out loud. So exciting. Yes. And then we share the story. It's on the podcast. It's on my blog, Wealthy Single Mommy and social media. And that is really the biggest power of this project because it's showing other women what is possible for themselves. We'll have links to a wealthy single mommy, to the Like a Mother podcast, and also to the book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, and our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Emma, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. I so enjoyed this. Thank you, Joe. Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome back to the only reason worth tuning into this podcast, my trivia. You know, because everyone showed up an hour late for today's taping in honor of National Saxophone Appreciation Day. Yeah, that's really a day. I listened to some jazz. Well, you know, some people think jazz is Coltrane or Miles Davis, but you and I both know the truth. The first and last names in jazz are pronounced Kenny and G. Am I right? So here's a question. With all the money Kenny's made using that saxophone, with what popular recording artist did he begin his career? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a little jazz on my kazoo in just a moment.
I've talked about this stat before, but this is scary. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, 48% of all Americans don't own any stock. And I realize it can be daunting when it's time to start something new, but here's a great thing. Getting invested is more to do with taking baby steps than leaping headfirst into Wall Street. Here's Brian Barnes, founder of M1 Finance, on just how easy it is to be invested. So you just either log on to the website or use the mobile application. We're native on Android and iOS, and it takes about three minutes, and your first $1,000 that you deposit is managed for free. I'd love to say the free $1,000 is a special deal I made for you, but uh, Brian and M1 Finance are that good to everybody. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, or you can customize it, as mom says, to your heart's content. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance for more. That's stackybenjamins.com, M, the number one, finance.com for more. So just fire up their mobile app, M1 Finance, be invested. Big thanks to LinkedIn for supporting our podcast. Have you ever tried to hire somebody? Because it is hard. OG, when do you visit job boards? Um, usually never. Looking for that big podcasting job, right? Podcasting co-host? Yeah, right. Well, because, you know, often your best candidates, they might already have a job. So what if you went to a place where people go daily to grow professionally and explore job opportunities? In fact, we already know that 70% of the U.S. workforce is in this place. It's called LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network. Well, it's also a better way to find great talent. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who've posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. 22 million professionals. 22 million. Yeah. View and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs is 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. Our podcast is only as good as its people. It's the same for your business. Every hire matters. So don't settle for just posting and praying the right person's going to stumble on your role and apply. Head to linkedin.com slash SB and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with your jazzy trivia answer. Here was the question again. With all the money recording artist Kenny G has made using that saxophone of his, with what popular recording artist did he begin his career? The answer? Kenny G's career started with a job as a sideman for Barry White's Love Unlimited Orchestra in 1973. He was 17 and still in high school. Dude's a player. Sounds like Kenny and I have a lot in common. We both made the big time spicing up somebody else's work. Uh, maybe it's time we finally start up that Neighbor Doug podcast you've all been demanding. At least then we won't start one show around here an hour late. I don't think the Ron Burgundy Orchestra. <laughs> and his jazz flute. <laughs> jazz flute. I don't think that made the made the cut. No, I could totally envision like VH1's video of Kenny G playing as uh, wanna, 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 wanna. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable with like the the misty background. Yeah, and yeah. it's like the spotlights on him, but it's misty, and he's he's just kind of wiggling as he's uh, about, yeah, exactly, just like that. <laughs> yeah, how about him with Barry White? That makes sense to me. 
Well, totally, yeah. That totally yeah. makes sense. Hey, let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency are spearheading innovation within the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most, OG. I'm going to go with uh, fried cheese curds and... I still got to stick with those potato skins. It's man. Appetizers so delicious. on your mind on a Monday too. You think it would be like happy hour, but uh, every course. day with you is happy hour. My friend, <laughs> it's always happy hour here in the basement. It's why they created a No, it's your family and your time. Sorry. Oh, eh, family time. Eh. It's why they created a high quality and most importantly, affordable term life insurance policy issued by mass mutual. You can purchase entirely online. No need to wait several weeks for the decision when you can get one, bam, right now with Haven Life. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today, throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new BFF, Scott. Say hello, Scott. Hi, Joan OG. This is Scott from New York. I recently met with a fee-only advisor to look over my portfolio for the first time. I wanted to see if I had any uh, blind spots like uh, Joe recommends. I currently have a Roth IRA. My wife has a Roth IRA and an IRA. We have 403Bs. Uh, we're both teachers. We're using the OG 100% stock uh, index fund portfolio, though. And uh, she said that normally she would go with a 75-25 stock to bond split. But because she follows uh, what's called a valuation model, she said that she would cut back until it quote unquote hurts because the PE ratio right now is around a 30 and she would recommend cutting back until it's uh, until it drops back down to around a 15 and then uh, start looking to get back into the market. What makes me worried about this is I don't hear too many people talking about that. Uh, it sounds to me a little bit like trying to time the market, but with, you know, some valuable information. And I feel like I'm going to end up following in Len Penzo's shoes where I get out of the market and three years later, I've missed three years worth of gains and I live to regret it. If you could comment and give me, you know, your opinion on this, whether, you know, this is our first time meeting, whether I should uh, freak out and get away or uh, take her advice. Thanks for everything you guys do. And uh, unfortunately, I have learned some stuff. Thanks for the question, Scott. You know, this is this is interesting. Uh, PE's looking kind of high. Financial planner says, uh, pull back. What do you think? Scott, you answered your own question. This is a thinly veiled attempt at market timing by clearly an advisor who feels that their only value proposition is to, through smoke and mirrors, provide some semblance of trading rationale. You know, they must not be doing much planning work because then if you're looking at the long-term time horizon, today's PE doesn't matter. And unfortunately, this doesn't sit very well with me. Not to mention that I think the facts are incorrect. I'm looking at the JP Morgan Guide to the Markets, which is downloadable for free for anybody. It's my favorite tool to find market data. It doesn't tell you what it means. It just tells you the numbers. And so I'm looking at page, I think, slide four, in the S&P 500, it says that the uh, P.E. ratio is 18 for October 2017, not 30. In context, it provides some contextual information. The P.E. ratio for October of 2007, so 10 years ago, 15. But it was 28, well, 27, I guess, in March of 2000. 
I want to, for people that don't even know what PE ratio means. Sure. Let's review that. Let's, OG. let's do that. That's just a calculation of what's called the price to earnings ratio. So they take a look at all 500 companies in the S and P and, and uh, say, how much is the, how much is the stock market worth? The S and P is at 2,500 or whatever. And then what's the earnings, the collective earnings of that and divide it out. And that comes with the that's that ratio right there. I used to have trouble with this number when I was learning about money. So if you're listening and you have trouble with P ratios also, I'll tell you, it's a comparison number. Like that's that's the big thing is that a PE of 15 by itself to me means nothing. But like right. to OG's point, if it used to be 20 and it's 15, the lower the number is, the lower the risk. And also you can't take the PE ratios of two companies and just compare them because one might be a technology company where usually those trade at really high PE, so they're riskier, you know, versus a consumer products company that'll trade at a really low PE, so they're a lot safer. And if I compare the two of those, I'm not going to get anywhere. But if I compare two companies that compete directly against each other, the PE ratio might be a helpful metric to let me decide if I'm buying individual stocks, which one to buy. Yeah, and I should be clear too. I guess arguably there could be another calculation using some variation of earnings that gets that PE a little closer to 30. Nevertheless, this to me is a very thinly veiled attempt at at market timing, like I mentioned a second ago, and and I would run away from this person. The first part of the 7525 didn't bother me, by the way, because as you know, we talk about Joe, we talk about the efficient frontier, right? There's a slope that you can kind of plot portfolios on how much stocks and how much bonds. And so while all equity gives you a little bit more return potential, it does come with more risk. And so you're not giving up that much more uh, risk, or I'm sorry, you're not giving up that much return for a 75-25 allocation. Maybe you get a little bit smoother ride. So that I don't have a real big issue with. But then the, oh, by the way, I think you should really pair that way back and try to time the market. That disgusts me. Well, I got to tell you what bothers me about that is that I think, Scott, if you're going to follow PE ratios yourself in the future and you're going to be somebody that stays on top of this, maybe if the calculation is correct, and I haven't looked at it, OG's sitting with his laptop open looking at, at these numbers. I haven't looked at them at all. Just my general feeling is an advisor who tries to predict where the market's going and adds that as their value to your point is somebody that if they get hit by a bus, you're no further ahead. I want an advisor who's going to teach me things that if they get hit by a bus, I'm better off having them in, in, in my corner. And so I want to set up things that are in ways that I'm going to be able to look at them myself and have my advisor look over my head. You talked about the blind spot thing, right? I want the advisor to point out blind spots and to help me drive the car better, but I want to drive my own car. I want to have that advisor help me drive better. I don't think unless you're going to stay on top of whatever the heck this advisor's talking about, does any of that advice help you drive better in the future? Yeah. Yeah. I have never been a fan of market timing as you well know, and, and, and the academic research and science behind it says that uh, it doesn't work. So, you know, there's that component of it too, I suppose. Thanks for the question, Scott. If you've got Thanks, a, Scott. Yep. yep. You got a question, uh, just go to Stacking Benjamins. You'll see the questions tab at the top. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to you if you'd like. Doug also brought down the mail, brought it down an hour ago. 
by the way. He's super early. Early to bed, early to rise <laughs> makes Doug healthy, wealthy, and wise. He's got maybe a not penny saved as a penny earned. Maybe not wealthy or wise, but I'll take the rest. Uh, Brittany uh, sent us a letter, OG, and she says, recently you talked about long-term care insurance. A friend just asked me about it, and well, since I don't learn anything from your show, I don't know where to start. I thought your discussion would be the best place, but I don't remember what episode it was. Um, and then she says, we can just email her. I wrote back to Brittany and said, it's been a while since we've talked about long-term care, and I think that you and I can have a long-term care discussion here uh, now because this is this is a tough area for people. You know, this idea of a catastrophic illness when you're older is something that I think everybody needs to look at. You don't need to look at insurance per se. I think you need to look at the disability and how you're going to handle it. Well, at the end of the day, as part of your financial planning, your retirement income plan, you want to think about what happens if we have a situation in the family where I or my spouse need assisted care later in life. And then you start pricing that out. What's the likelihood of it happening? The answer is one in two. And then you start saying, okay, well, if I need some care, how much does that cost and how are we going to pay for it? And just like we do with any type of, of risk management tool, at the end of the day, we're not trying to justify buying insurance. What we're trying to do is have a plan on the shelf that says, if this happens, this is how we handle it. You know, I have a plan on the shelf of if I smash my car, I pay $1,000 and my car insurance company pays the rest. The problem with long-term care, if there is one, is that it's very, very expensive. And it's because of the magnitude of the event if it happens, right? I mean, it's $80,000, I think we could say, is probably the average cost of care now throughout the United States and higher in some areas. You're talking about one year. One year. And there's a 50% chance that you need it. So, I mean, if there's a 50% chance of you spending 80 grand, how much does it cost to insure that? Which, by the way, and a lot of people, they tune out then. They're like, oh, okay, well, I can't buy that insurance, so I'm done. You still have to have a plan. If if actuaries think it's going to happen to you, you need a plan because if they think it's going to be expensive, which is why they mark the insurance up so much, that's what you worry about. Don't worry about, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, tornado insurance or whatever, those insurances, they're super cheap because the chance of them happening to you are so, so, so small. Well, and you're exactly right. We need to make sure that we have the plan on the shelf. It may include insurance. It may include a high deductible. You may pay a, you know, uh, a lot out of pocket at first, but burying your head in the sand and saying, you know, it's not going to happen to me. It might not happen to you, but you still have to be thinking about it. And compounding this problem is that there's only a few insurance companies that are interested in covering right. this right now because for so long it was mispriced. There's three um, ways. There's three ways I think to look at this. Number one is to take the risk yourself. And that means take that 80,000 number out, extrapolate it to whatever age you want. Now, there's lots of statistics showing that people have issues much earlier than a lot of financial planners talk about. But let's say that you're going to extrapolate it out to 75 or 80 years old, $80,000, you know, inflation at what, 5% yeah, maybe? Yeah, at um, least. Yeah, a fairly high inflation rate on those services right now. So in, inflate that out. Two and a half years is the average stay. So mm-hmm. I might look at four years, just if you're going to mitigate the risk look a little bit above two and a half years and then figure out, okay, am I going to, this big chunk of money, am I going to put that extra money aside, save that and put it in a bag and just save it? Or am I going to hand it off to the insurance company 
that's going to be super expensive. OG to your point, or a mixture of the two, which generally is the way that uh, when I was a planner, most people would try to go. If if you're barely scraping by though, and you don't have much to protect, actually looking at some of the and it's going to be ugly, but some of the Medicaid provisions. You know, there mm-hmm. were times when I told people, I'm like, listen, you're going to have a hell of a time just meeting your goal. You do have to forget about this. You do have to just take the risk, but not our preferred way of handling it. And there's tons of different tools to help offset the cost of this. It doesn't always, it's not, all, I shouldn't say it's not always long-term care insurance. There's companies that are linking things with life insurance benefits nowadays and that sort of thing. Great resource on this, by the way, to help Brittany and her friend. Uh, you want to look up the Genworth cost of care summary, and then you just put a year in there, you know, 2017 Genworth cost of care. And uh, they put out a report every year or two that uh, that kind of goes through some of these things. So really good resource there. Yeah, well, if Richie, our producer, link to that in the show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Brittany, thanks for the letter. If you've got a letter to us again, you'd like us to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you. Here's what you do, stackybenjamins.com, and you'll see questions on the very top of our website, and uh, that will lead you to both ways of getting a hold of us. Thanks also for people that have either sent in uh, not just letters to the show, but things about the show. I love the discussions that I have sometimes with you. We love it when people take the time to review the show. This one is going on Mom's Fridge OG. Uh, comes to us from Joey D 55 says Joe and OG, not an original gangsta. Sorry to disappoint you. Do a great what? show. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Shock of shocks. Do a great show that mixes interesting guests, witty banner, relevant financial topics, and a healthy dose of tomfoolery. Too bad I never learn anything. Uh, that is going on mom's fridge. Thanks for everybody who's left us a review. If you can do that, that'll tell people what they're getting into when they listen to the stacking Benjamin show. Finally, I have to say this, uh, OG's taking clients. So if you want to get on his calendar to find out more about working with him, uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, and that will get you on his calendar for a meeting with him about what it takes to get him in your corner. All right, that's going to do it for today. On Wednesday, we are live, are uh, pre-recorded from FinCon. I was going to say, we're always live. Yeah, right. But I've got FinCon voice right now. We recorded a live show. Thank you to everybody who came out to that. That was really fun. Thanks to everybody who hung out with us there and watched the live show. David Bach was our guest. And different than most guests, David Bach stayed for the entire episode. And, oh, gee, that was a ton of fun. He's a pretty cool dude. Every time I interface with David Bach, I'm even more impressed. So great time. We'll see everybody Wednesday. Go stack some Benjamins. Yeah, sure, Joe. Get back to listening to Kenny G, and I'll tell everybody what we should have learned today. Well, first, whether you're hoping to be a wealthy single mom or dad, take some advice from Emma Johnson and create systems around your life. Second, worried about tax law changes running through Congress? Worry about the things the way they are, not about what you hope for or expect might happen in Washington. Until it happens. You'll be happier and your plan will be focused on reality. But the big lesson? Don't scold everyone in your buddy's mom's basement about being late till you check the clock. Apparently, somebody in Congress decided to set all the clocks back an hour. Huh. I thought Congress was all about doing nothing. Special thanks to Emma Johnson for joining us. 
You'll find Emma's book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, wherever books are sold. And of course, you can buy it using our Amazon link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Amazon, and you'll also help out me, I'm, I mean the show. Special thanks to Bryn Conroy for stopping by. You'll find more on PTSD as it relates to saving, investing, and abuse at femfrugality.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. It appears I've fallen and I can't get up. Do you want to talk about FinCon or you want to talk about... Uh... I want to talk about something that I just thought of just between you and me. So I know, you know, I'll sit here across the card table and sometimes when you're talking, I'm, you know, it looks like I'm playing on my phone, right? And sometimes I am. Most of the time I'm playing on my phone. But we had this thing with uh, David Bach, right? And I will tell you, I don't know if you paid attention, but he played on his phone like the whole time. Like he was getting text messages and replying to texts and emails. And I'm like, yeah, dude, right on, man. David Box, my people. Well, what's funny is I also. Or maybe I'm his, I don't know. I also emceed the main stage. Um, yes, you did indeed. And David, I had the honor of asking him questions on the main stage. And, and we started with David comes and sits down. And we start with me saying, David, you've been on our show now three times. And I consider you a friend. Don't you consider, you consider me a friend? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We go, we, we go back away. So I'm like, yeah, about three years. And I do, I felt like when he and I met face to face, like we had some history, you know, and it, and it was really cool to have David Bach come up to you and Joe, how you been? How's the family? Like, yeah. uh, it was really cool. So we're on the main stage and I lean forward and I said, I owe you an apology and I want to make the apology in public. But remember that we're good friends, right? <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm getting worried. And I said, so look at the screen behind you. I'm going to show you a, uh, a tweet I wrote uh, back in 2013. He turns around and the tweet says something to the effect. I don't have it with me right now, but the tweet says something to the effect of, 
If you think the latte factor is going to change your life, maybe you need somebody to drive your drug butt home from the party or something, some basically. Yeah. The latte factor is BS. Yeah. The latte factor is BS. And he looks at it. Of course, we got this room with, you know, there's 1700 people at FinCots. I don't know how many people at the main stage room, maybe a thousand. And, uh, there's this kind of, I would say kind of this pensive laughter and, uh, and David's reply, David's reply is, oh, I love the fact that only two people like that tweet <laughs> just r- rips the hell out of me. Which is exactly how many Twitter followers you had probably in probably. 2013. Yeah, both of them liked it. Thought it yeah. Was you were great. like, they're like preach on, but all, it, all but it was, them. it was a great way for me to bring up this fact that a lot of people get the latte factor wrong. And, right. uh, so I thought it's not about lattes. Yes. It's and about I, being mindful of where you spend money and don't be an idiot. He ended up spending a good 10 minutes on that topic, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, other uh, FinCob moments. We had a good time getting barbecue with our new friend, uh, Greg, who's got a great Snapchat channel, teaching people about money on Snapchat. That was fun. Yeah, that ha- was cool. Having the whole team together, we rarely going to pull back the curtain a little bit. We rarely, this is the first time we've had all six of us in the same place. And you know what makes me mad? We didn't take a picture of all six of us <laughs> together. We didn't take one. I was going to say we had, we got five because of the Plutus award, but Richie had already Richie taken, off, taken off at that Already point. left for a wedding. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but thanks to everybody who came out. And uh, by the way. It's just th- like when we left him in Oregon. Right. Waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, come and get me. <laughs> that was so awesome. Uh, and for more on that next year out in uh, Orlando Orlando how about that that'll be fun Mm -hmm. so uh, but anyway thanks to everybody who uh, we got to talk to at FinCon I feel bad because with the main stage duty I couldn't stick around and talk and 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 so many of you who came up to me like you know we get to talk a little bit in the in the basement our Facebook group and I don't get to sit and chat and what I really wanted to do was not go prep for the main stage I wanted to sit and chat so Sorry that we couldn't we couldn't do that, but um, glad that you came out, and I hope you had a great time. Super cool. How many beers have you uh, had out of the chalice there of uh, Plutus Award? The the Plut- yeah our our last Plutus looked like we finished like third place in our under eight <laughs> soccer league. This one <laughs> this looks, one looks like we finished second place. Yeah, we finished second place. Actually, it's a pretty yeah. cool little trophy. It's, but yeah, no, it's super cool. We won. For those of you wondering what we're talking about, we we won best personal finance podcast. So thank you to Harlan Landis and the uh, Plutus team. Uh, and for Club Thrifty for being the sponsor of this particular award, I suppose we should mention them. But we um, we we brought we brought it home, OG. Brought home the tro- one for the thumb. No, that's not it. That's uh, <laughs> thanks. We're like we're like Tom Brady. We didn't get to make a speech there, but so I'll make it here. So thanks to you, OG, for your hard work. Thanks to Kathleen, our business partner, who is so amazing. And to Richie and Shannon, who work their butts off to make it this job go. Unfortunately, I got to say thanks to my neighbor, Doug. Uh, thanks to... thanks. Well, we don't have to say We that. don't have to. Thanks to Len Penzo, who believed in us from the beginning. And uh, Paula Pant, who wasn't far behind. And even to Greg McFarlane, who is a great... You know, the people that contribute to the show. Suzanne Lucas, Catherine Minshew, who uh, also contribute to the show. And then, um, obviously, uh, thanks to you for hanging out with us for listening because if you didn't listen, none of this would have happened. So thanks a ton. Mom is proud. That one sits on the coffee table up upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to brag to the bridge club a little bit. All right. We'll see everybody on Wednesday.
Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.